You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to be listening in on the messages from the Maximize Manhood Men's Conference. In this session, we'll hear from Senior Pastor of Crossroads Church in Maryland, Dave Marsh. Thank you, brothers. You can be seated. Uh, wow, what tremendous messages uh, we've already heard this morning. Can you say amen? Let us thank God for those men who shared their hearts, their lives, their experiences uh, with us. And uh, we had a, a great time with you last night. And uh, we do love this church and love your pastor and, and love you guys. We got to, got to know a lot of you uh, over the years. Um, and we value your friendship. Always look forward to, to being here. Uh, some of you I don't know, just getting to know a little bit and, and got to meet some guys last night that I'd never met before, and I hope to do that today as well. I just want to share uh, from my heart with you. Um, I was, uh, I grew up just down the road, uh, lived all over the place in Marion County. I was telling my buddy last night, I, I tracked how many houses uh, I lived in. I lived in seven different houses until I got married, and then after I got married, I've lived in 14 more. So I've lived in tw 21 different houses. Uh, I've moved around a lot, and sometimes I think I'd like to have a new house, but I don't want to move again, so I'll be there till Jesus comes and finds me at this point. But uh, I got married at the age of 16, which uh, if you, how many, do we got any 16-year-olds in here? Um, you're not ready. <laughs> I just want to tell you that no one's ready to get married at the age of 16, but I did. And then uh, 11 months later, I became a dad at the age of 17. Um, got any 17-year-olds in here? You ain't ready. <laughs> got any 27-year-olds in here? You probably ain't ready. <laughs> All the dads said, <laughs> amen. So, uh, you know, what happens if you get married real young, at least what happened in my life, got married real young, and um, I, all the friends that I had had growing up, I, I kind of lost because they were looking to, you know, buy a new car, and we were looking to buy a new crib. And uh, in your your values, and your pursuits, and your needs, they they all change. So the men that I had in my life growing up. Uh, as you know, as a teenager and a young boy, you kind of lost those friendships and my wife became my best friend and that was awesome. And we've been married for 32 years now and, and we have six children and um, five grandkids and, and I'm sure there's a lot more in our future. So we're very, very blessed. But the point of sharing that is, is, is her and I begin to start doing life and we grew close and God blessed our marriage uh, and we're busy. We, we start having kids and doing ministry and stuff. I did not realize how much of a void there was in my life because I did not have strong male relationships in my life. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know it. My wife is wonderful. She's, she's awesome. Many of you know her and have met her. She's awesome, but she's not you. Right. She's, not a, she's not a pastor to me. She's not a brother right. uh, to me. She's not you. And um, I didn't grow up with a dad in my life uh, raised by a single mom who had become a widow, uh, you know, you from this area and the coal mining and all that, she had, uh, uh, she had two kids and was pregnant. Uh, so she had a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and she was pregnant, and her husband was killed in the Farmington number nine mine that uh, exploded. And then uh, a few years later, 
um, she went out and she met a man that she didn't know was married and uh, he looked a lot younger than he was and had an affair with him and uh, that's how I came about so my parents were never married and so my dad just lived a few miles up the road from me but he was what I would call a non-resident father <laughs> did anyone have a non-resident father it just wasn't a big part of your life and so I didn't have a dad and then so at 17 I became a dad and had no idea what I was doing pray for my kids <laughs> right and uh, anyway um, as I began to hit my 30s I realized I desperately needed some men in my life. I needed some men to help me walk through some seasons that I was about to walk through, and I just didn't have any mentors in my life. And, uh, but here's what I love about the church of Jesus Christ. If you didn't have a dad growing up, you can find some right here in the church. If you didn't have a grand, I didn't have a grandfather. My grandfather wanted to pay to have me aborted because I was a, a product of an affair. And he just thought, hey, it'd be easier to pay the whatever it was probably back then, maybe a couple hundred bucks. Just, hey, he just told my mom, let's just abort the child and let's not, you know, let's not bring this, let's make it public. So didn't have him in my life. Got to lead him to the Lord on his deathbed. He was dying of brain cancer. And I just always thought, isn't that just like God to send, uh, send someone that the grandfather wanted to abort to to actually lead him to eternal life so he didn't end up in hell. See, God is just a redeemer. That's just what he does. We heard about that today in the powerful messages that we've heard. So none of us are disqualified. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say amen? And so anyway, I started to realize how much I needed men in my life. And the Lord has been so faithful to bring me men. We've got men here from our church today. And some of you guys are like a grandfather to me. Uh, some of you are like the uncle some that I never wanted. Some of you uh, are, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But mentors and, and men and Pastor Robert has just been, if I talk about it, I'll cry. So I, I'm not going to too much, but just been tremendous in my life. So I just want to talk to you a little bit from the life of David this morning and talk about the seasons that we walk through. I love the stories of the, the kings found in the Old Testament. We looked at Asa last night and this morning we're going to look at David and really all of our lives are just a collection of seasons. David's life was a collection of seasons. Your life is a collection of seasons. And often we can track the seasons in our lives by certain things that we possess in that season. I'll say that again. You can look back on your life. I can look back on my life and we can track the seasons in our lives by some of the things that we possess in that season. Like how many guys in here um, own a boat right now? You own a boat right now. How many ha have ever owned a boat in your life? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Raise your hand. So a lot of guys in here have, have owned a boat. That boat, if you look back in your life, it represents a certain season of your life. There was a time you were using it a whole lot and you would go to your favorite lake or go down to the river with your wife and kids or your friends and you probably had a buddy. Nobody boats alone. You got a buddy that had a boat and he's the one that talked you into it, right? And, and that's a season of your life. And you might have it now and be in that season and you might not be in that season, but it represents it's a season, something that you had tangibly represented the season. How about a camper or a motorhome? Anyone have a camper or a motorhome? 
past, present, you got one. We had a motorhome for a, a period of time in our lives, and we loved it. You know, we'd get, drive that thing. I didn't know that they only got eight miles to the gallon. I wish someone would have told me that because uh, I could afford the camper, but I couldn't afford the gas. And uh, so anyway, but we'd drive that thing to a state park, and we'd take our kids, and, you know, we'd set up our chairs and set up our campfire and take the boys down, and they'd fish or we'd swim at the lake or whatever. It was just a beautiful time in our lives, but it was a season. And then my kids started getting jobs and we had to, you know, taxi them everywhere and you couldn't always go camping. So we ended up selling it. But man, that was a good season. How about, we got any bikers in the house? Motorcycle, I'm talking about motorcycle. I'm not talking about your 10-speed Huffy. I'm talking about a motorcycle. Anyway, I got a motorcycle. I got a couple of those. And there was a season in my life, Pastor Robert, I could not get my wife alone. You got six kids. You don't get any alone time with your wife. You say, well, you got six kids, but... It, <laughs> Six times in 30 years is not a big deal, all right? So anyway, come on, somebody help me this morning. So anyway, I said, uh, I said, I got to do something to be able to have some alone time with my wife. If I get a motorcycle, no sidecar, no trike, if I get a motorcycle, the two of us can go places by ourselves and the kids ain't going. And so it represented a season in our lives where we spend a lot of time on a motorcycle. Now... Now, my youngest daughter is 13, and I'm watching some of these, I'm watching my older kids. One's getting ready to go to the Coast Guard. I've got to drive him to Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania tomorrow, and he's got to go through some medical testing and stuff, and he's wanting to do Coast Guard, and, you know, I've got grandkids, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing how quickly the season of having your kids at home changes, and to be honest with you, I don't care if I get on that motorcycle this, this summer or not. Because I'm going to treasure this time with my 13-year-old while she still wants to spend a little time with dad. Can somebody say amen? amen. How about a side-by-side? If you live down here, somebody's got a side-by-side, right? But what they do is that they represent seasons. And chances are, if you own some of these things, you probably didn't own them all at the same time. Unless you're loaded like Pastor Robert, and then you can afford to. But most of us, <laughs> most of us just owned, a, you know, if you had your camper, that was a season. If you had your boat, that was a season. You probably didn't own them all at the same time. And as I was preparing for this conference, I started thinking about the seasons in David's life and how they could be represented by the things that he possessed. Let's go to 1 Samuel 16 and verse 10. 1 Samuel 16, verse 10. It says, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Samuel's the prophet. It's a big deal. He's come to this little town of Bethlehem. He's going to anoint a new king. He goes to Jesse's house, lines up all the sons, and he begins to look at them and inspect them and ask the Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Samuel said to Jesse, I'm sorry, but the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So the first season of David's life can be expressed in what I would call the, 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 uh, the staff season. Okay. The staff season. He's a shepherd. David's a teenager, spends much of his time simply looking after the sheep. It's here during the staff season that David learns to be faithful, learns to be faithful. Um, every man in his life needs to learn faithfulness. A lot of us men get into trouble because we get bored easily. And when boredom sets in, distraction comes. And the next thing you know, we do something stupid. Can somebody say amen? 
So while David is spending lots of time in this boring job being alone, here's the deal. He's not really alone because it's there that God is teaching him faithfulness. And my brothers, we all need a staff season so that we can learn to be faithful. We need to learn to be faithful uh, to our wives, even when our marriage is going through a dry spell. I didn't expect a big amen on that one, but I'll just let it sink. I'll just let it sink in. Need to be learned to be faithful on our job, even when no one is, is looking, right? And, and we, we take that scripture that everything we do, we do is unto the Lord. And so even if the boss isn't watching, even if the coworkers isn't watching, even if, you know, if someone's not directly supervising us, whatever our job is, we're doing it with that spirit of excellence. We're doing it because we are faithful men. We need to be learned or learn to be faithful in prayer, faithful in the word, faithful faithful in giving, faithful in serving, faithful in the house of God. The apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, he says, moreover, it is required that stewards be found faithful. It does not say God is looking for uh, the most talented men. Aren't you thankful? <laughs> Doesn't say God's looking for the best looking men. Aren't you really thankful? Right? But what does it say? It says God is looking for men that can be faithful. And in David's season with the staff, Taking care of those sheep, he learns faithfulness. Now, we go from season to season, faith to faith, glory to glory. God is always working in our lives as long as we're yielded to him. The next season that jumps out to me in David's life is his slingshot season. We all know the story, probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible, uh, of David and Goliath. David's big brothers were on the battle lines that day. But they, along with all the other men of Israel, just stood in fear of the giant. First Samuel 17, we'll just read a few scriptures here. Verse 16, it says, And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back the news of them. Now Saul said, that they and all the men of Israel were uh, in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Now, it just strikes me funny that it says that they're there fighting with the Philistines, but yet it's a calm enough situation that, uh, that uh, Jesse can tell, tell his teenage boy to take some cheese sandwiches down to his brother's. Now, when Brother Garrett was, you know, sharing his testimony about being a Navy SEAL and some of their operations of, I mean, first of all, he was involved in sinking a yacht. That is just awesome, right? I just, I would just, how do you sign up for that? And then when I hear how you sign up for that, I realize I'm not qualified for that. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going, but I mean, if David's brothers are in the heat of the battle, but yeah, that this teenage boy can show up and be like, Hey, Hey, dad sent some cheese sandwiches. Hey, you want a sandwich? You want a sandwich? Hey, here you go, Scotty, have a sandwich. It just doesn't seem like they're really in the heat of the battle. The armies of Israel do not look too hot on this day. And so David ends up hearing Goliath's taunts and David tells King Saul, he says, hey, if you guys are just going to sit around and eat sandwiches, I'll fight this joker. Like, I'll go at this guy. Look at verse 33 and Saul said to David, he said, hey, you're not able to go up against the Philistine to fight with him, for you're just a kid, you're just a youth, and he's been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. What is David saying? He's there, what, he's got a slingshot, right? But what he's saying is, is this season right now, Saul, what you don't understand 
is I was prepared for this season back when I was in this season. He said, what you don't understand, he said, when I used to keep my father's sheep, he said, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and I delivered the uh, lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine. (laughs) That means he's a no covenant guy. He ain't got no covenant with God. And he's out there defying the armies of the living God. He says, this guy will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Again, brothers, I just want us to see how our seasons are connected. David said, what I learned here has prepared me for this moment. And this is why we all need to take our time through the seasons of life, not trying to rush through them because often in the season we're in now, God is actually preparing us for our future. David's staff season prepares him for his slingshot, if I can say it, season. And with a smooth stone, David takes down this giant. And then we know the story. He runs over and he picks up Goliath's sword and he takes his head off. Everybody say new season. season. The staff season led to the slingshot season. The slingshot season leads to the season of the sword. My brothers, every man in this room today is in a certain season of life. And it's important for us to recognize our season, understand that few seasons are forever, they change often, but if we don't recognize the season that we're in, we'll end up making some big mistakes. If we don't recognize our season, we'll end up hurting ourselves and others. I told you, I've I've got six kids, three boys and three girls. My oldest son is 32, and the next one down is right now 21, and then his brother is, is, is 20, right? So the 21-year-old and the 20-year-old are still at home. The 32-year-old, he works for us in the ministry, and he's at, he lives you know, 30 minutes from us, and, and they're at our house a lot, and Sundays are a good, good time at our house. They come over after church, and we got all the grandkids there, and you know, we just I, I make something to eat, and we just have a great time. And, about six months ago, my three boys decided that they were going to start going to the gym together. And uh, they've been real faithful. I mean, they go 530 in, in the morning. These guys go and they meet a couple other guys. Your son-in-law goes. A couple other guys from church, they go and they go to the gym. And these boys, they've been, they've been working out and they're starting to get in shape. Um, but if you've got sons, you know that at different times in their life, they will try to maximize their manhood by challenging dad. Cody. <laughs> in, in, any, any, any dads in here, your sons ever? I mean, there's just that time where they're just trying to figure out, do I have what it takes? Can I take dad? Am I a real man now? And they got to do some things to challenge you a little bit. And so a few months ago, we're all at the house and my oldest son challenged me to an arm wrestling match, the kitchen table. Now I'm going to tell you straight up, I fully expected to lose. And I thought, you know what? I don't care. What's the big deal? He's a grown man now. I don't mind letting him look good in front of his wife and his kids. They're all gathered around there. You know, here's, they call me Pop. There's Pop and, 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 and Dad. They're going to arm wrestle. And so we get up there and I think, you know what? He's going to put me down. We're going to laugh. He's, we're going to joke about it, whatever. And so we get on the table and I say, all right, on your mark, you know, one, two, three, go. And we start, you know, and we're going back and forth and back and forth. And he's not taking me as fast as I thought he would take me. 
And so we're going back, back. And I look up and his face is starting to turn red. And so we're going, we're going, we're going. And I see a little, just a little bead of sweat just pop out on his brow. Gibson, when I thought I didn't have a chance, I was fine with losing. But now, <laughs> now that dad's in this, here we are back and forth and back and forth. And I look at him and I look at his wife back and forth. But I look at him, I look at his kids and I'm just being honest with you. I start to have an, a struggle on the inside of here. When I thought he was going to put me down quick, it was no big deal. I thought, hey, the Lord's going to use him to humble me today. But I'm not sure what happened. I think a Samson anointing came upon me. Come on, do we have any old dads who still got a little bit of fight left in them? A Samson anointing came upon me and I thought, perhaps today the Lord would use me to humble him. And in a moment, bam, I just crushed his hopes and dreams. <laughs> I don't feel good about it. <laughs> well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> maybe a little bit. But honestly, I thought, you know, I, so anyway, I go to the gym to shut up. Shut up. I said, shut up. You go. <laughs> so I'm old and flabby. And so I'm usually on the elliptical machine. That's where I spend most of my time. But after this arm wrestling victory, <laughs> I said, you know, maybe I ought to start lifting weights. And so I go in one day and uh, I go over to this chest press machine and uh, I just put a bunch of weight on there. And I think, if my boys are doing this, I can do this. Come on, I just took one of them out and arm wrestling at the kitchen table after we had chili and grilled cheese. I can take on. So I sit down there, put a bunch of weight on there, and I just do two reps. And on the second one, I rip something. I rip something. Somebody say wrong season. All right, I'm not kidding you. This is two months ago. I still can't sleep. I can't get comfortable. If I try to reach up like this, when you say lift your hands, I'm a straight upper because I can't lift out. I've hurt something. I'm in misery. I'm going to have to go to the, I'm going to have to go to the doctor and figure out what's going on. Here's my point. I liked you better as a demon. <laughs> Here's my point. I was looking at the 32 year old and the 21 year old and the 20 year old. They've been doing all the stuff they need to do for this season. They've been stretching and they've been warming up and they've worked their way up to this weight. Not me. Old flabby dad just goes in there and thinks I'm just going to do it. And I'm in the wrong season. You got to know what season of life that you're in. Otherwise, you can make some really, really bad mistakes. David graduates from the slingshot season and he goes to his season of the sword. Now, in the season of the sword, he, he recognizes this, this season of, I guess, what we might call success in his life. This is, you know, this is what he's been working toward, and he's young, and he's a warrior, and he fights battle after battle, and he has victory after victory. Remember, they sang the song that Saul had slain his thousands, and David had slain his tens of thousands. Like, he is the hometown hero, and he's so successful in his sword season that it actually leads him 
into the season of the crown. After 15 years, I don't know if you realize the time in David's life, but from that first time that Jesse was there and he lined his sons up and the prophet Samuel came and he anointed him, he anointed him as a future king, but it took 15 years for him to actually get the crown. And so he has worked and worked through every season, and then he finally reaches the season of the crown. Now, most of us, this is our goal in life, is to reach the season of the crown. We want to get to the place where we've reached a level of success, a place where your bills are paid. I remember as a young man, I mean, Pastor Robert, I just wanted to get to the place where I didn't have to worry about paying the bills. I, I, didn't, I, want to be rich. I didn't need to be rich. I didn't want to be wealthy, but man, I just wanted, I wanted a little bit of breathing room. Right. And that's I just wanted to get there. And uh, we want to get to that season in life. We want to get to the season in life that if we want to trade in that old truck, get something newer, we can do that. And then if we want to take that new truck and take the wife down to Texas Roadhouse on Friday night, we're just, you know, we got the money to do that. We're not going to miss paying a bill because we got a little bit extra. We can go to Texas Roadhouse. Nothing wrong, guys. Nothing wrong with having your eyes set on the crown. God wants us to enjoy the fruits of our labors. But we've got to get really, really diligent when we get to the season of the crown because it's often in the season of the crown that we make some of our biggest mistakes in life. You see, when we're in the staff season, we're broke. <laughs> we, we can't take a day off if we want to, right? We're just, that's just work. That's just faithfulness. It's just get it done day after day after day after day. And, and you couldn't take a day off if you wanted to. When we're in the slingshot season, we're young and we're hungry and we're excited about life. We've got dreams and we're willing to sacrifice to meet our goals. When we're in the season of the sword, we're busy. We're fighting battles. We're claiming trophies. We're closing deals. We're climbing the ladder of success. And then when we make it to the palace and they put a crown on our heads, that's when we need to be so careful because during David's crown season, he makes the biggest mistake of his life. You know the story, but we're going to read it anyway. A couple of verses. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when the kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab. He sent Joab. He didn't go. He stayed home. He sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. They destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. And then it happened one evening. Everybody say evening. He slept in. One evening, David arose from the bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David, David says, Wow, who is that beautiful woman taking a bath? And someone answers him and says, Hey, David, uh, that's someone else's wife. In fact, her husband is out fighting on your behalf. And you know what David says? Because he's in the crown season, he's a little puffed up. You know what he said? He said, I don't care. <laughs> Bring her to me. I'm the king. <laughs> I get what I want. I want her. Don't care who she belongs to. Don't care what her husband's doing for me and my kingdom. <laughs> I'm the king, I have a crown, go get her, bring her to me. Verse four, then David sent messengers, took her. She came to him, he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived 
So she sent and told David, I am with child. In what should have been the greatest season of David's life. He's worked for it for 15 years. David the king, man after God's own heart, takes his crown and he trades it for a pillow. My brothers, this is why we need the brotherhood that was talked about earlier today. What if (laughs) there was someone in David's circle who when he said, hey, I saw a beautiful woman taking a bath. What if he had had someone in his life who said, King, are you sure you should be watching women take baths? I know he's the king and he can do what he wants, right? But what if David understood this brotherhood? Remember like when he had with Jonathan, you know, he had someone close to him. What if he still had someone like that and he understood that brotherhood and someone could speak into his life? And, and when he said, hey, hey, Scotty, who's that beautiful woman? And Scotty said, oh, she's a married woman. And, and, and they could have said, oh, you don't want to mess with her. She's married. And, and by the way, you have your own wife. <laughs> what if he would have had someone who could speak into his life and keep him from making one of the biggest mistakes of his life. We know the story. He trades the crown for the pillow. He um, commits adultery. He gets her pregnant, has her husband killed, and then even the baby dies. My brothers, we gotta be very careful in the season of the crown. Because of the timing of our culture and our life, many of us hit the crown season in our late 40s and into our early 50s. And it's there that we have what we call that midlife crisis. It's in that season that we make some of the biggest mistakes of our lives. And David's problem was he's so successful that he doesn't have to fight his own battle anymore. And instead of risking his life on the battlefield, he risked his future in the bedroom. My brothers, do not trade your crown for a pillow. It's not worth it. The Bible tells us to rejoice in the wife of your youth, even if she ain't so youthful anymore. That was a good place to say amen. Amen. Because guess what? You ain't so youthful anymore either. Hot shot. (laughs) Our lives are much like David's, a collection of seasons. He walks through a season of serving, holding the staff. He walks through a season of battle, starting with the slingshot, then graduating to a sword. God blesses him, promotes him into the season of the crown. But there's one season that I haven't talked about yet. I didn't forget it, but I wanted to save it for last. I saved this season for last because I think it's one that we often overlook in our lives. You see, as men, we are focused on achievement. And as we're working our way to that crown season, we're filled with passion and intensity. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. God can certainly use our drive. But before we end the message this morning, I want to go back to this often overlooked season of David's life. And it's what I'm going to call the season of the harp. The season of the harp. 1 Samuel 16, verse 19, it says, Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. He's He's just a shepherd boy right now, okay? And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat, sent him by his son David to Saul. 
So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul said to Jesse, saying, please let David stand here before me. He's found favor in my sight. And so it was, watch this now, whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, this was a distressing spirit because Saul's living in rebellion. He's dealing with witchcraft, all this sorts of stuff. He brought it on himself. It says that when this spirit was tormenting Saul, David would take his harp, okay? He'd take his harp. It's as good as we get as a harp today. It wouldn't be the harp that you would you know, see on TV, but it'd probably be a stringed instrument that David could carry with him when he's out there tending the sheep. David would take his harp, all right, and it says that he would play it with his hand, then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Friends, I have heard hundreds of sermons on David's slingshot. I've heard another hundred sermons on David's sword. I've never heard a sermon on David's harp. David's harp represents his worship. It represents his prayer life. It represents his intimacy with God. And here's what I'm reminded as we read the scriptures today, that David's first uh, trip to the palace did not happen because he was a warrior. David's first trip to the palace happened because he was a worshiper. It it wasn't David's sword that took him to the palace. It was his harp. You see, David's sword could make men flee, but David's harp could make demons flee. As I approach the age of 50, there's a new season in my life. My first 49 years, I have focused on accomplishing things, set goals. I want to do stuff. But this, this is not... This is not just a churchy, cliche thing to say. This is honest. For the second half of my life, I want to focus on becoming someone. I don't want to be known for what I do. I want to be known for who I am. I want to be known for my harp, not my sword. I want to be known as a man of prayer. I want to be known as a man of worship. I want to know God better than I ever have before. I've always, when we started the church, I worked three jobs for six, seven years, make it happen. I've always had a lot of energy. Get her done, get her done, get her done. Shut up, don't wanna hear you whine, don't wanna hear you complain, get it done. But you know, there are some things in our lives that we cannot outmuscle. There are some things in our lives that we can't outwork. There's some things in our lives where we don't, we don't have the answer. Like, like, like Brother Paul was saying, it's like, oh, well, I guess nothing left to do but pray. In the most recent season of my life, my butt has been kicked in a way that it never has before. But you know what it's done to me? made me cling to my harp. It's driven me to prayer. And there is a beautiful breaking that happens in the heart of a man when he realizes his slingshot can't fix the situation. 
His sword can't defeat this particular enemy. There's a beautiful thing that happens when a broken vessel sings. So many times we men try to prove our worth or we try to prove our success or our strength in a boardroom, in a bedroom, on a ball field, on a battlefield. But my brothers, the prayer room is where it's at. I said the prayer room is where it's at. I know the slingshot's impressive. Take down a giant. I know the sword is bad. (laughs) Take his head off. But the harp, that's where we find healing for our souls. The harp is where we find peace for our minds when you feel like you're about to go crazy and you got to get away from everywhere else and everyone else and just find a place with God. The harp will bring you back to some sanity. The harp will heal you in places that nothing else can. The greatest conquest in David's life were found in his intimacy with God. I know we have young men in here today and If you were to ask me, or probably many of these older men, what's one habit you could develop in your life right now? What's a keystone habit that would impact every other area of your life? And we could talk about things like going to the gym, and man, I I wish I'd have done that more (laughs) in life. I wish I was in better shape. We could talk about investing your money wisely and early. I wish I'd have started that along long time ago you talk about spending time with your kids you know people old guys tell you all the time hey time passes quickly they're going to grow up before you know it and you know what those old guys they were telling you the truth we could talk about spending more time with our wives and we should all those things are good but by far the greatest habit we can cultivate in our lives is to learn to build intimacy with god I was reading through the book of Revelation. There's no slingshots there. The only crowns in the book of Revelations are the ones we're going to throw at the feet of Jesus. There's only one sword I can find in the book of Revelation, and it actually comes out of his mouth. But you know what are there? Harps. Worship. Look at someone this morning and say, Brother, practice your harp. How do we do that? Get alone with God. For some of us, that's easy to do. We, we, our lives are set up in a way that we can do that. For some of us, it's not. You know, in, in my house, having still got five kids at home and two cats and a dog, and I think there's a fish that lives in one of my kids' bedrooms. I don't know. It's hard to get. I, I, I have to leave the house to get alone with God. I don't know what your life looks like. Some of you have a long commute. Turn that into your prayer closet. Some of you like to hunt. Turn that into spending time with God. You ain't killing anything anyway. (laughs) I'm just saying, guys, however it looks for you, I don't want to be legalistic. I'm I'm just saying, for you to learn and practice your harp, remember what your harp is, your, your, your prayer life, your worship life. Get along with God. Read and listen to scripture. He often is going to speak to you through his written word. And even today, if you don't like to read, the Bible app will read the Bible to you from your phone. 
Get it inside you. Praise and worship God. Again, at home, in your car, in the shower, sing, lift hands, dance, even if you're white and chubby. Come on, guys. Your voice often makes way for his voice. God loves to be worshiped by his people. And if the only time you're singing to God is in this room, you are missing out. God wants daily worship from his sons. Be still then. Be silent. Listen. It's a form of prayer. Silence is a form of prayer. We don't always have to be talking. Be still and know that he's God. Meditate on scripture. Don't empty. The world teaches meditation by emptying your mind, but God's word tells us that we meditate by filling our mind. Take a scripture and dwell on it. Meditate on it. Say, God, speak to me through your word. Praying the scriptures. That's a great tool to practice your heart. And then finally, and I'm done, find you some mentors. I started the message by telling you, I just, I lived a lot of my life. I didn't have, there was no good, healthy, strong male relationships in my life. And now, Craig, I don't know what I would do without some of you boneheads that hang out in, my, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our lives and in our church and in our small groups and stuff. I don't know what I would do without some of you guys. And so if you're here and you're doing life alone, this is a great church, great men's ministry. You don't, listen, you don't need 12 guys, but you need two. You might need three. You need a couple of guys that you can be honest with, that will pray with you, that will challenge you. Do you know how many times Pastor Robert has, has talked me down off of the roof? <laughs> He has talked me down from bombing somebody. He has talked me down from resorting to the sword. I've called him. I said, can you believe what this person did? And they said this to me, and they said that to me, and they said that to me. And he just sits there silent. And I go, oh, he's silent. That means he doesn't agree with me. <laughs> and he's about to talk me down, tell me to put down the sword and go pick up the harp. Stand together. Let's pray. Father, I love these men. I know you love these men. Lord, look around the room today. There's guys in their teens and there's guys that are well advanced. We're all in a different season of life. But you're the God who changes the seasons. You rule over everyone. Wherever we're at in life today, God, I pray that your spirit would be so strong and so real and so powerful in us that you would just be faithful to walk us through it. God, I pray for a brother who's in a difficult season, maybe in his marriage. He feels like giving up. God, would you do what only you can do? God, I've seen you heal marriages. I've seen you put husbands and wives back together again. I've seen couples who've been married for 30 years, and God, you bring a revival into that marriage, and they feel like they're teenagers again. God, I've seen you do that. I've seen you heal marriages where there have been affairs, God. You've put them back together again. God, for the one who's maybe struggling with an addiction today. Lord, as our brother said, that they, they, the torment of the enemy makes them feel like they're disqualified. God, break down that lie. Break that thing down. And God, give them hope today. Father, for those of us who are struggling with, with our kids and they're these beautiful humans that you've entrusted to us, but... There's so many challenges in so many areas that we don't have the answers for. God, we turn to you for this season in our lives. God, for those of us who are young and hungry and, and, and we're working our way up, God, give us wisdom. 
God, for those of us who finally, we made it and we're in that crown season, Lord. We don't, we don't want to trade the crown for a pillow. We don't want to do anything stupid. Keep us, Lord. You got us here. Keep us, God. Whatever season we're in, Father, we know that you're faithful. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 